Well, I'm excited to be here this morning. I got to be honest with you, uh, you know, usually I do the worship. So I was out there and the countdown went off. I was like, it's like, I can get in there. But then you realize, wait a minute, I kind of get a break today, but I don't really get a break. I get to stand here and just kind of pour out what God has poured into me this last week. Um, I just want to say, first of all, Beth, Jeff, I love your hearts. Thank you for coming. Thank you for leading us in worship and helping the team out. You said something very powerful. When you said, I don't even know if you know how powerful it is, but when you said you came here as a church, not as, hey, I go to the Jerseyville church. You're a Life Church X member. You're a Life Church X family. We have two places, one church. So let's always remember that. And thank you for bringing that to mind. Like I said, normally I don't get to preach too often. The last time I preached was back in July of last year. But every time I do, it always seems like Pastor Matt and Pastor Katie and Pastor Mike, they always kind of step around my sermon, you know, topics and scriptures. I'm like, oh, I was going to use that scripture. Oh, I was going to say that. But it kind of gives me confirmation that I'm in line with where I need to be too. So this morning, I am going to talk about the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great power or force. The capacity... The capacity of an object or substance to withstand great power or force. I know you're probably looking at me like, now, what is this, physics 101? Uh, am I back in high school? Uh, hey, Pastor Guy, get back on the guitar. You know, it's better there. <laughs> but what I actually did when I say that, I gave you the definition of strength. If you look up the word strength, it's the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great power or force. Strength is the word that's mentioned over 242 times in the Bible. Just the word strength. That's not strengthening, not strengthen, not any other word. Just the word strength. Strength is something that I think sometimes we take for granted. We don't realize what our day is going to tell. Strength is needed just to get up and walk through a daily routine. Strength is needed just to hold a marriage together where over 50% of them end in divorce or separation. Strength is a non-negotiable subject when it comes to a Christian walk, to walk where now where everything was good is now bad, and now everything is bad is now good. Strength in every man and woman in this video, it was their determination, their mindset, strength. In a nation that's broken hearted right now in Texas with what's going on, strength is needed there. I could go on and on and on about all these, these things, these tragic events and everything that's going on. But today I'm not referring to a physical, manly, postured strength, okay? How many remember these two guys? Remember them? Yeah. So when I was growing up, they were still in black and white. There wasn't color. And Brutus's name was actual Bluto. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was actually Bluto. They lost the rights to his name, so now it's Brutus. But anyway, I'm showing my age now. Uh, but anyway, these two, as you remember them, always constantly back and forth going at it. They couldn't pass each other with something going on. Some kind of conflict would rise between them, right? One had a natural physical strength. The other had a superhuman spinach strength. And it never failed. Brutus could beat the tar out of him, put him in a Mojave desert with a chain around him on a cactus, and what would happen? He'd find some spinach somewhere. He'd find some spinach somewhere. But these two always went at it. Always went at it. And in the spiritual, it's no different for you and I. In the spiritual, we fight, we battle. Every day, every second hour, it's a flesh and spirit. It's a tug of war. 
Jesus even reminded the disciples when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, pray lest you fall into temptation. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's weak. It's a constant battle. Popeye and Brutus, they would battle all the time, constantly. And what they battle over? Olive. I don't get it. I mean, olive. <laughs> right? Right? But let's go back to the spirits. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't get why they fought over olive oil. But let's go back to the spiritual for a minute. The flesh and the spirit fight constantly, battle, battle. Popeye and Brutus fought over olive oil. The flesh and the spirit, they fight over one thing too. They're fighting over your soul. They're fighting over your soul. It's a constant, constant tug of war, back and forth. Ephesians 6, 12 reminds us that we not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. There is no physical man here that can go against the spiritual effects of battle. You just can't do it. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how big you are. When I was a police officer, my gun, my taser, my handcuffs would not help me in a supernatural experience. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I said. In a supernatural they would not help me. They were of no use. So today I'm going to be referring about a supernatural strength. A supernatural strength. Now right now I could probably take a poll, and I would say, I think I'd be safe to say that 90% of you are ready to face whatever battle you need to right now. I mean, we just walked through worship, an amazing worship. The battle belongs to you. I speak Jesus, my foundation. Right? But what happens today at 1045? 1245. 1045's past, guy. Two services, guy. What happens today at 1245? What happens when you're not in this atmosphere? When you don't have that song warring in your mind? When you don't have people around you, you know, iron sharpening iron, those conversations? What happens? You walk into the office and the first person hits you with is just going through such a mess. You get a phone call in the middle of the night. A loved one or family member is sick in the hospital. They don't know what's going to happen. What happens in those moments? Where is your strength at? Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. Strength, heart, God, portion forever. Continually, endlessly, never-ending, everlasting, right? So if you're taking notes today, my sermon title is Everlasting Strength. Everlasting strength. And I'm going to pray here real quick. Uh, Father, I just thank you again just for an opportunity to uh, pour out what you've poured into me today. You and I have already had a conversation, and I know that it takes more than me to do this. It takes more than me to stand here. So I ask, God, that you would just fill me, that you would use me. And everything that I prepared for, God, that you would just bring back to my remembrance today. I ask the Holy Spirit to come in this place and breathe in this place and breathe on us. And on this word, in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, strength, mentioned over 242 times. I wrote down just a few of them here. Psalms 27.1 says, the Lord is my strength of my life. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. 1 Chronicles 16.11, seek the Lord and his strength. In 2 Corinthians 12.10, he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. I have this tattoo on my arm. It's in Greek. It says, Tovinami, Tovinami, which means his strength. It's one of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Because see, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it takes more than me to stand up here. It takes more than I can do to be the, the husband I need to be, the father I need to be, the pastor I need to be, the worship pastor, the friend I need to be. Matter of fact, if I do it right, it takes less of me and more of him. But this tovin on me, it was a gift for my wife and son for my birthday. And I'm not one that just says, hey, I like that, put that here, I like that, put that here. It's a strategically placed tattoo. When I worship with a guitar, this is my position. This is what I see. I know it's his strength. When I worship with my hands up, I can see it's his strength. It's more than me. Even when I'm at home on my knees and my head bowed, hands folded, I see it's his strength. Because I know it takes more than me to walk through a daily routine, to walk through life and get through it. Amen? You see, we can quote them all. We might even be able to remember them all. You may even have a tattoo on you that reminds you of your favorite scripture. I don't know. But are we understanding? Are we tapping into? Are we accepting the continuing, long-lasting, everlasting power and strength of our living God? Let's go over to 1 Samuel. I'm going to use a very familiar story today of uh, David and Goliath. We all know this story. This was a time when the Philistines were coming against the Israelites. One was on one side, one was on the other, the valley between them. And for 40 days and 40 nights, this champion they called Goliath, stature of a man, would come out and he would actually just taunt the armies of Israel. He would belittle them. He would make them feel like they were nothing. And today in my sermon, I don't really have, well, I don't have three points. But I have three moments of reflection. And it's quest, three questions I want you to ask yourself. I don't want to ask you them. I want you to ask them yourself. And the first question I have for you is, where's my focus? Where is my focus? Let's go to verse 34 of uh, 1 Samuel 17. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from the mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them. Seeing has defiled the armies of a living God, moreover David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Where is your focus? Have you ever noticed how different people can be walking through very similar situations and have a different perspective, outlook, or outcome on that? I mean, they could be walking through the same thing, same thing. But it's their focus. It's their focus that changes the way they perceive it and the way they look at it. Because the focus of the armies of Israel was on Goliath instead of God, there was a different perspective of it. Verse 11 in that same chapter says, They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Dismayed is distressed. It's almost a point of anxiety, a, a point of terror. And it usually, being dismayed usually comes from something unexpected. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, you're going through your day, everything's going normal, all of a sudden, some, man, you get T-boned, something happens, family members in the hospital, kid gets hurt at school. Mass shooting. I can't imagine 
how dismayed and terrorized those families were in that situation. But let's take a look at that same situation. Same situation through the eyes of David. Because see, David wasn't focused on the giant. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. He said he's just like the lion and the bear. That means he sees it as no greater threat, threat than anything he's already overconquered, overcome. He said, the Lord who delivered me will deliver me. The Lord who already did this will do it again. He's the same God. He didn't change. The situation didn't change. Amen? You see, the focus was not the same. The situation, different perspective. There was a relationship there. There was a relationship between David and God already before that situation happened. Had there not been, you know, I, I'm just going to be real with you. Things happen quickly. Sometimes you don't always have time to, oh, i got to get prepared. There should always be a mindset, a preparation, a remembrance of what God has already done for you, knowing that he will carry you through that again. As I said, in this story here, a different focus became a different outcome. And here's something I want to share with you, and, and God just kind of revealed this to me yesterday. You know, <laughs> it's funny, you, you get a sermon, I'm sure anybody in here has ever taught, preached, or anything like that, you think you got it all nailed down, you're going over it, and all of a sudden it's like, whoop, download. <laughs> and then you start writing again, right? So as I was reading this again, I, I just felt like God showed me something. Same situation. Different focus. You may be walking through a situation right now and you're focused on where you need to be focused. And somebody you know is walking through that same situation, but they don't know how to focus. At the end of the story, we know that David went up, he slayed the giant, cut off his head, raised it up. What happened to the armies of Israel? First, they were dismayed, cowered in terror. What did they do? They just kind of puffed up and started chasing off the Philistines, right? Your focus is a testimony for somebody else who doesn't know how to focus. So whatever battle you're walking through, whatever you're going through, you stay focused on that. Don't let people speak into your life. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life during battle. Verse 28 says that Elab is David's brother. He basically told him, what are you doing here? Go back to what you know. In other words, go back to the sheep, something you can handle. The message says, go back to your scrawny little sheep. Like he gave him no, no uh, purpose or character for who he was. King Saul says, you can't do this. Had David listened to the voices around him, different outcome, different focus. But he was focused on God through this, so he wasn't aware of the voices around him. So don't let people speak. Be careful who speaks into your life in the battles you're going through. Amen. So where is my focus? That was the first question I had for you. Second question I have for you is, do I trust him? Remember, these are questions you're asking yourself. I'm not asking you. So I'm asking myself, do I trust him? You see, because when the world becomes real, falling apart, chaos, sickness, disaster, tragic events, that's not the time to be saying, questioning God. Debating with God, being mad at God for something you don't know why it happened, that's the time you need to be running to God. Amen? Job said, I look forward, but he isn't there, and backwards, and I cannot find him. 
Sometimes it, we feel like Job. Sometimes we have the moments where, God, are you, are you even listening to me? Do you know what I'm walking through? Where are you? Can you hear me? I don't see you. I, don't, I can't find you. I've looked everywhere, and I don't know where you are. It's okay to ask God questions. But when we start questioning God, we put ourselves in a different place. Because trusting God, when you say you trust God, you also have to be obedient in what he has for you. You see, when, I, when I'm going through a situation and I, I ask God questions like, God, I, I don't understand. What's my next step? What's my next door? What's my next um, decision that I have to make? But when I get to the point where I question God, then I get to a point where I'm saying, God, I don't trust you. God, you don't know what you're doing. I put myself in a different place. Matthew 28, 20 tells us he is always with us even to the end of the age. To the end of the age, he's always there. In those moments when you feel you're alone, Matthew 28, 20. He is always with you even until the end. You know, as I said, you can ask God questions, but you don't want to question God. You want to be careful. Sometimes my sons, will, uh, they'll ask me questions, and I'll, you know, I'll answer them if, it's, if I feel it deserves an answer. But there's times when they'll ask me a question, and I'll be just kind of like, Really? I don't even have to say nothing. And they're like, uh, uh, never mind, I know, I know, I, I get it. So I think about how God would respond. Because a lot of times we know what we need to do. We just don't want to do it. We want God to work a, open a door. Hey, kick that door open. I don't want to do no work. But I wonder how many times when you say, God, what, you know, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? I can just see him. Just a little smirk on his face like, you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. Because to trust God requires us to be obedient. God gives favor and blessing through obedience. Let's go over to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I'm going to stop there for just a second. And I didn't say this in first service, but when the enemy's talking in your ear, you have no reason. You don't need to answer him. When you're focused somewhere, you just keep walking and stay on that path, okay? We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. You talk about trusting God in a moment. You talk about being in the heat of a situation. How many of us can say, even if it doesn't work out the way I think it should, even if it's not the answer that I need or in the time that I need, even if not, God, I will trust you. And isn't it just like the enemy when you take a stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? It got a little hotter, didn't it? The furnace got a little hotter. He's going to turn up the situation. Anytime you take a stand for God, anytime you take a stand for what's real and what's right and what should be done, he's going to rise up against you. Just be ready for that. But whatever the outcome, will you trust him? Whatever the answer, will you trust him? Even if it doesn't look exactly like you want it to look like. You see, as I said, there's blessings through obedience. 
I guarantee you, if you stand the test, the outcome and the blessing is going to be more than what you ever thought it would be. Because that's how good our God is. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. After they finally pulled them from the fire, unscorched, no smell of smoke, clothes still on them, what happened to them? They were promoted to a new level, and everybody worshiped their God. Again, I'm going to go back to testimony. Your testimony is going to draw people in. Your testimony is going to pull people in because they're going to see the faithfulness of a living God. So that was my second question that we're going to ask ourselves. Do I trust Him? The third question I have for you today is, am I ready? Am I ready? Now, for you people who take notes, great. For you people that don't take notes, that's great too. But what I'm going to tell you next, I want you to write it down somewhere. I don't care if it's on your hand, on your husband's forehead, whatever it is. Because I feel like whatever I'm going to tell you right now, what I'm going to tell you is probably the most important thing I'm going to tell you all day. Don't wait until you're in it to get ready for it. Do not wait until you're in the battle to get ready for it. Nobody, no country, no uh, position of authority is going to wait until they're in a battle before they decide to have a game plan for it. Because if you're not planning for it, you're planning to fail. Anytime you don't plan, you're already planning. You're planning to fail. So don't wait until you're in it to get ready for it. David said the God who did is the God who will. The fire in front of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said he will deliver us. He will deliver us. There has to be a time when you're not going through the battle. You know, I think with this being Memorial Day, I know there's a few men in here that have served. For you guys who went to battle, you didn't just go to battle and get trained there. You went through training before that happened. You were ready for whatever happened. And the same thing in the spiritual. We have to be trained up. We have to be ready for when that moment comes that we're ready to go through it. Amen? This past couple weeks, I've just had the opportunity to speak with some people. And I love how God just gives you confirmation on where you're going. I spoke with a, an individual. I was kind of sharing my testimony. I don't know if all you guys know I was going through an issue. They were talking about doing surgery. They didn't know what was going on. Don't have to have surgery. There's still some things happening, but it's not stopping me. But when, I, when they said surgery, I was like, ah, I don't like that word. I don't like surgery. I mean, if I have to, if I'm, I mean, if I'm laying on a deathbed, yeah, I'll do surgery. But I don't want nothing that I don't have to have. So we started calling people. And we started, we didn't call a lot of people because we didn't know what was going on. But through that testimony, I heard the testimony of another. And I know this person, but I didn't know that they were walking through a battle of cancer. Through a year and a half of treatment, CT scans, blood tests, all those things. And this person told me that after five years of remission, they were feeling really good. But you know, if anybody, I'm sure all of us know somebody or has been through cancer, there's always continual testing, pre preventive measures, right? Just to make sure it doesn't sneak back in, just like the enemy, to sneak in when he least expects it. So she's going for all of her tests. This was on a Thursday. She was doing her blood level test. She told me, she goes, Pastor Guy, my blood level tests were supposed to be at 35 or below. It came back at 123. My heart sunk for her. I was like, I knew what it meant. But I was like, 
so they're saying their cancer was back. And she goes, yeah, they're saying my cancer's back. She goes, but what I did, this was Thursday. I knew I had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to battle. And I thought, wow, to battle through something where most people would say, oh, no, hit the couch, mourn, grieve, whatever it may be. Some people do even worse than that. They just can't handle it again. But this was a person who knew what happened to the lion and the bear before. She knew what happened to the giant before. The giant was trying to come back and sneak in. In a moment of weakness, because of a test score of 35, it was where it should have been, it was 123. So she battled Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday or Monday they had a CT scan scheduled for her to just verify what was actually going on. I guess they see more through CT scans and blood work. She said, Pastor Guy, when I got my test results that evening, it come back no disease. No disease. I thought, wow. So that is awesome. But what had happened? Just like I said, what if David wouldn't have been there? What if she hadn't had the mindset to battle in that weekend? I'm not saying God wouldn't have done it without that. I'm not saying that. But she knew where she needed to be. She knew where she had to be in that moment. And she had to battle. See, waiting involves a confident expectation of a positive result. Waiting involves a confident expectation of a positive result. Let's go to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, chapter, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, Remember that Lord's in all capitals. That's Yahweh, that's Jehovah, that's Jireh, that's Provider, that's Rothi. The creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall fall, or shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings of easel, eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. There's four things I want to point out in here. Remember, I'm talking about an everlasting strength. Verse 28, it says everlasting God. Verse 29, he gives power. Also in verse 29, he increases. And then verse 31, he shall renew. That sounds like an everlasting strength to me, Amen. Verse 30, it says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, <clears throat> and the young men shall utterly fall. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care what you think you can do. But when the battle gets to a spiritual point, there's no physical man that can stand that. There's no physical man that can go through that. What it's saying here is even those strongest men are going to fall. Even those strongest men are going to come weary. And they're going to lay down because that natural physical strength is not good enough. It has to be a spiritual strength. But it says those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting is not what this individual did to the testimony I shared. Waiting in this sense is an action. Waiting here is not sitting around. It's, to, it's with anticipation that something is going to happen. We're pressing in. It's not an empty time of space. The word wait in Hebrew is kavah. 
Kavah means to bind together. It's an action. So when we say we're waiting upon the Lord, we're actually binding ourselves together in Him. We're tying ourselves to Him. We're binding ourselves in the Word. We're binding ourselves in worship. We're binding ourselves in prayer. We're warring. We're battling through that situation. I'm going to go over to Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. It says that one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I know this is talking kind of in a natural. I get it. The value of a friend is better than one. Three cord cannot be quickly broken. It's stronger. But I always like to take things over to the spiritual side. The three cord. Three as in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three as in prayer, worship, and word. Amen? How many like visuals? You guys like visuals? Mike, can you come up here and help me? Uh, Logan, Daniel, you guys come up here and help me. Sometimes for me, a visual just makes more sense. These guys have already done this once, so they should be pretty good at it. Mike here is going to play Goliath. I think he does that well, right? Logan is going to be the armies of Israel. Where was their focus? Their focus was here. Remember, flesh and spirit, back and forth. It's always constantly, it's just a tug of war, constantly going. But he was focused here. Now he's David. Where's David's focus at? It's focused on God. So giant, he doesn't matter anymore because he's changed his focus. He's changed his focus. Daniel, come over here. So actually what happens when we change our focus, don't take this personal. The giant that we're looking at, the giant that we're focused on, becomes a little bit smaller. Right? He's still there. He's still there. He hasn't changed. It's still the same God. The same God's still there. The God hasn't changed. What's changed? The focus. Now we've added worship and prayer. We've added some Bible time. Again, nothing's changed. Same God. Same giant, but the focus. So now, what are we doing? We got a stronghold here. He's not an issue anymore. It's not an issue anymore. Thank you, guys. That three cord is going to be stronger than the one cord. Anytime you can add another layer to your arsenal. You know, as I said, when we were going through uh, the academy, you know, you didn't get a gun right away. <laughs> they just didn't do that. They slowly added. Right, Jerry? You can contest to this. They slowly added instruments to your arsenal until you got better with them and trained with them. Same thing today. That three chord is not going to be quickly broken. Where's your focus at? I'm going to ask the team to come back. I'm not going to be real long for you today. But remember those three questions I ask you. Where's my focus? Do I trust him? And am I ready? Because the enemy is not going to get you 
during service usually. He's going to get you afterwards. He's going to look for a time of weakness. Just as he sought Christ in the, in the garden, and when, you know, when he was praying and fasting, he came at him at a time of weakness. But God knew where his focus was. Christ knew where his focus was. And he knew he could trust the word of God. For every situation that came at him, he spoke the word to it, right? Make this, you know, he's fasting, he's hungry. Make these stones into bread. Cast yourself down. Bow down and worship me. He quoted right back with him with all kinds of scripture. So today I want to ask you, where is your focus? Do you trust him? And are you ready?